tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to continue going through the books of the Bible. And tonight's message is on 3 John. 3 John was a letter. Uh, it was written to Gaius, and John was encouraging him to take care of the traveling teachers and missionaries. It was also to warn against false teachers like Diotrephes, who was too proud to re- to re- and refused to listen to spiritual leaders who were their were his authorities. Diotrephes not only refused to offer hospitality, but he also set himself up as the church boss. His pride disqualified him from from being a real leader. Christians, as Christians, we must shun pride. We must break it off of our lives because it affects every area of our lives and everyone around us when we allow pride to consume us. That it affects the way we think and it affects the way we live. That we must not misuse our positions of leadership to misrepresent Jesus to those that are around us. And we must not make excuses for our behaviors because if we know that... that we are in pride and operate in pride, but yet makes excuses for it, it denies that Christ is alive in our lives. You know, that pride is the, the sin that's pregnant with all other sins. You know, that it was the sin that, that cast Lucifer out of heaven, and it affects each and every one of us in many different ways. And it's a very important um, thing to be paying attention to because it, it comes in and it destroys us you know, and through the years, you know, I have, uh, you know, struggled with my own pride and still have to keep it in check on a regular basis. And, you know, I've come to have this saying that some of you have come across through the, the years and that pride is a funny thing. It makes us do the craziest things that as we are trying to hang on to what we think is right, even though we know it's wrong, and we will run full steam ahead into a brick wall just so that we don't have to admit that we're wrong. You know, and I watch some people do the craziest things to to try to prove that they're right. And it just amazes me over and over and over again through the years how pride continues to affect us all, including myself. Like, I am not, you know, free of... You know, not having issues with pride, and I have to watch it on a regular basis that it does not try to creep into my life and into my behaviors. You know, and it's very important that we're humbling ourselves. You know, it says pride comes before the fall. You know, and that you know that it's so important that we we learn to to humble ourselves and surrender ourselves before the Lord. You know, on a regular basis, it's something that we have to be paying close attention to because it it affects us and it directs our decision-making more than, you know, we realize at times. You know, and uh, it's important that we're not making excuses for it, that we're surrendering it to the best of our ability, you know, so that we can be good examples, Christ-like examples to those that are around us that, you know, that we can be faithful to those that, you know, we serve or those that we live with, you know, because pride affects us when we can't take correction or we won't listen to others, you know, that, you know, the church, you know, and this church family, this church community, you know, whether it's this community or every community, you know, gets affected by, you know, men and women alike that, 
rise up in their pride and try to control, you know, what God is doing, you know, and, and even, you know, attack others that are trying to surrender themselves or follow Christ, you know, that, you know, that Jesus dealt with the Pharisees over and over again because they had this spiritual pride. They felt they were better than everyone else. You know, and it's so important that we are realizing that, you know, that we are saved by grace and it's not of our making, that we have nothing to boast in. It's all Christ in us, you know, and however that it is important that we we have a response, that we have to obey, that we have to follow, we have to surrender, and this is a constant thing. This is not a one-time thing. This is a day-to-day thing. This is a moment-to-moment thing. This could be a minute-to-minute, second-to-second. Depends on what we're going through and, and what we're struggling and what we're fighting. You know, that we have to constantly be, you know, aware of the heart issue that wants to kill us, truly. It wants to, to run from God. It wants its own way. You know, it wants to do whatever it wants and never to listen. You know, and it's so important that we pay attention then when this stuff starts to spike, because usually anger comes quick to follow. And when we get in our emotions, it's hard to listen. It's hard to do anything but, you know, what we want to do. You know, so John is writing to remind Gaius to be kind to others, you know, and to represent genuine hospitality for traveling teachers. You know, and this is important for us to be praying for missionaries, you know, as well as supporting them on on one level or another, you know, that we extend hospitality if someone's traveling through the area or we partner with missionaries or we we ask for, you know, you know, how we can help them, how we can support them, you know, and and even in the church, it's important that we're praying for leaders, praying for our local church, praying for our pastors, because, you know, you know, we deal, they deal, you know, with all sorts of crazy things. You know, I know that, you know, we have a few different missionaries that we support through Redeemer Church, you know, and some of us know, you know, Kelly, who is over in the Middle East somewhere, you know, you know, serving the Lord, you know, and, and blending in as, as well as she can into that community, you know, and it's important that, you know, if you think about it, you pray for her, you know, that, you know, I try to pray for her every day. You know, if she pops in my mind randomly, you know, I start praying for her. You know, I have no idea what she's going through. I just know that she's alone, basically. You know, she's with, you know, the Lord, and that's really it. You know what I mean? And she's in a very dark place in this world. That's, you know, she's really one of the only lights. So, you know, it's important that we're praying for Kelly and, and other missionaries and other, you know, churches and other, you know, ministries that are, are trying to to fight the good fight you know so even gzm you know if we pop into your mind please pray for us pray for me you know we're always dealing with crazy fun things on a regular basis you know so it's important that we're partnering you know with what the lord is doing you know and uh many many years ago you know uh, the group U2, Bono is the lead singer, and he would write albums, and he would go to this Catholic priest, and he would ask him to bless the album. Or, And one day, the, the priest spoke to him and said, you know, if you find out what the Lord is doing, it's already blessed. And it shook him, you know, and it, it messed him up in the sense that he tried to figure out what God was doing, 
and he started going into Africa and, and starting to deal with the water solution or the water problems and bringing solutions. He started to deal with the food issues in Africa. And now he's one of the biggest representations of, of God moving in that continent because he's put millions of dollars of resources into helping people because that's what God is doing. You know, and it's affected him and, and changed his life, you know, and that, you know, it's important that we would see what God is doing around us. You know, what's God doing in our community? What's God doing in our home? What's God doing in our local church? What's God doing in our city? You know, and how can we partner with that? And maybe, you know, all we are to do is pray. You know, and that can be one of the greatest things that we can do is pray for, you know, those types of things that God is doing. Or we see areas that there's a lack and we, we pray for that, that God would move and somehow, you know, begin to, to heal and to change parts of our city. You know, and a lot of times when we notice things that we might be the solution, but that's not always the, the, the case. You know, and we pray for God to use us in some way, shape, or form. That each one of us has a purpose. Each one of us has a calling. You know, and we may not know what it is yet. You know, I, I know many, many years ago, if you would have told me that this is what I'd be doing, that there's no way that you would have convinced me of that. You know, and God had a, a funny way of pulling me in and showing me that, there is so much more to do than uh, work in a tattoo shop, you know, and each one of us has a, a purpose, you know, and a calling on some levels, you know, that God has something in store for us that he's created within us that was in there from the womb, you know, and it's important that as we see, you know, injustices and we see, you know, things going on around us and we start to pray for it, all of a sudden, you know, our heart begins to, to be pulled in those directions and we have no idea how, you know, God could use our stories to help those that are struggling or help those that are broken, help those that are, you know, in a, a difficult spot, you know. So it's important that we pray and pray a lot and pray often, you know, and we ask God to use us and to be faithful servants that we allow, you know, him to move and that we humble ourselves and, and just say, God, whatever you want. You know, I'm ready to do it your way, you know, and the more that I try to do it my way, I continue to see that my way does not work, you know, and um, I am convinced that if I do things my way, I will, it will end in destruction, you know, you know, and I continue to lay down my will on a regular basis and say, God, whatever you want, you know, in, in your way, in your time, you know, I'm done fighting with you, you know, I'm here to, to serve you in every which way that I can. You know, and um, it's important that we we do that, you know, we do that for our own lives. You know, what's God want to do with us? You know, and how is God going to use us? You know, and that's a slow process, you know, that it, it doesn't move fast, you know, because character is a very important piece as we want to move out and to, to serve him. And the more that we serve him, the more humble we become, you know. I know for me, and I also know for many pastors, that the start of serving God starts in the bathroom and cleaning toilets. You know, I don't know how many times that I've come across and, and had conversations with people and they started being janitors at the church. You know, and, and you know, or, you know, wiping toilets for Jesus. You know, and, you know, that's where I started. You know, that God moved me out of the tattoo shop and I started vacuuming and cleaning the church. You know, and I did not understand that at all. 
you know, and many a times I'd be, you know, vacuuming a room and I'd be listening to a podcast or listening to a teacher or listening to music and I'd be in that room crying and I'm vacuuming and somebody like walk by and look at me and I'm like, you know, I'm like, I have no idea, you know, and, uh, you know, I've learned to, to, to allow him to move and tears flow regularly and, and I don't stop it anymore. You know, I just let it flow, you know. But anyway, John warns us, you know, that we are to, to help the church. We are to help missionaries, that we are to help traveling teachers. You know, John, you know, also warns that we should not be, you know, bad examples to those that are around us or our community. And we shouldn't let, you know, bad examples influence us because, a lot of times, you know, those that are in authorities can influence us in a in a negative way. You know, and in this instance, what John's been dealing with are these false teachers that are, you know, you know, denouncing the deity of Christ. You know, that he's not really God. You know, he's just some guy. You know, and that when we start to downgrade who Jesus is, it means that I can continue to sin however I want, that I don't have to repent to him. Because he's not really, you know, that special, you know, and they had false teachings about money, you know, so you even start to see, you know, prosperity gospel stuff, you know, way back then, you know, and that they were influencing a lot of times they would target the females, you know, that were living by themselves and that they would, you know, try to live in their houses or or use them in various ways, you know, and, you know, and John's warning against that. You know, and that the bad leadership that's in this church is not allowing the good leaders to come. You know, and John's telling Gaius to welcome these teachers because they're the good teachers. And that the bad teachers that's sitting in the church at that time, you know, don't listen to him. You know, so there's this battle that's going on, like, what leader should I listen to? But, you know, Gaius is being prompted by John. So I'm sure that they had a relationship because it seems like a personal letter that John wrote specifically to him, you know, and it's short and sweet and has a lot of good things to say in there about, you know, God, but not this Diotrephes fella, you know, that we need to do what is good and not do what is evil. That we, we prove that we do not know God when we allow evil in our lives, you know, and when we allow pride in our lives, when we refuse to listen. You know, it, it shows that we do not know God. You know, so it's important that we, you know, show that we are the children of God by doing what is good. You know, and it's so important that, you know, we're serving, that we're giving. They're bearing one another's burdens, that we're, we're meeting to, to meet, you know, one another's needs however we can. We must love and put this into practice, you know, that, that, but we, we must have truth in the midst of our love because we can get out of balance. You know, and that when we get out of bounds, you know, you know, whether we're trying to help or we're trying to love people, you know, it turns into enabling, you know, and if we're on the other side that we're speaking truth and we're not, you know, having grace with it, we become very critical, you know, and either way, whether we're speaking truth or living in truth or living in love or giving grace, you know, it's important that we have the two of them because they balance one another out, you know, you know, and a lot of times that when you, you know, lean one way or the other, 
you know, it's when negative things happen, even when you're trying to do something that's good. You know, and, uh, you know, when we true, truly stick to Christ's teachings, we're going to see the balance between speaking in truth, living in truth, you know, speaking grace, you know, living a graceful life, loving on people, you know, but, you know, it's funny when you really, you know, look at who Jesus is and some of the scriptures, Jesus basically said, you know, do it my way. And then he would walk away from people, you know, and that's not typically what we would think, you know, and I don't know how many times through the years, you know, I get in discussions with people that have a, a false idea who Jesus is. And for whatever reason, this one statement constantly pops up and I have no idea really where it's rooted in. But my Jesus is a gentleman. Well, my Jesus might whip you. I don't see in Scripture that Jesus is a gentleman. I have yet to find it. But I do find in Scripture that Jesus might whip you. You know, so it's like, yes, he was loving. Yes, he was kind. Yes, he reached out to the sinner. Yes, he told people that their sin was forgiven. Yes, he told them to... to Go forward without sin, that no one is judging you, you know, that he reached into the, the darkest of places in, in love and, and kindness. But he also stood it up against the Pharisees and told them that they were a brood of vipers and that they're whitewashed tombs. You know, it's like, you know, we see both sides of Jesus, you know, a very graceful Jesus and a very truthful Jesus. You know, and in the midst of it is God's love that's coming for each and every one of those people. You know, God knows exactly what we need to hear. And what we need to experience. And sometimes we need to hear truth. Sometimes we need to experience grace. Sometimes we need both. You know, and, you know, and God has a funny way of, you know, manifesting these things in our lives, you know, over and over. You know, that. <clears throat> I don't know why. And, you know, that. Uh, all right. So, you know, it's important that we are looking at, you know, what God is trying to do, you know, in our lives, you know, and, you know, sometimes God's pushing us towards speaking truth. And sometimes some of us are, are leaning towards giving grace, you know, and as I talked last week, normally we, we like to lean one way or the other, you know, and it's important that, you know, we resist our our first tendency to speak out in truth if we're truth tellers or, you know, give grace if we're grace givers. And it's usually what God wants to do is the opposite side, you know, because we, we love to lean towards our strengths, you know, and we get prideful that I'm a, I'm good at telling the truth or I'm, you know, I'm good at helping people. And God's like, no, on both equations. And he wants to develop the grace in us truth tellers and he wants to, to develop the truth in us grace givers. You know, and it's like, wait, 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 that's not my gifting. Well, you know, I'm glad that you're gifted in one of those ways, but without the balance, you get out of balance in your gift. You know, so often, you know, I've watched people that have a mercy gift end up developing some of the strongest codependency roots because they just enable everybody. Well, it's a mercy gift. It's a mercy gift. But without the truth side of it, you know, I'm constantly rescuing and helping. 
you know, and then, well, I have, you know, I have an ability to speak truth, but it comes off as judgment critical, you know, and you just turn into some, you know, you know, wonderful person that has explicit, you know, words that are attached to you, (laughs) you know, that no one wants to listen to what you have to say because you're not saying it with love. You're saying truth, but it's not loving, you know, and when I first began to be a leader, you know, in this, I was real good at speaking truth. And I had no ability to give grace. Zero. Like, I didn't get it. Like, what's the point of it? It's pointless. You know, and, you know, and it it came to the point where it, it was so prominently being brought up in my life that, you know, I had to take notice of the fact that I am out of balance even though I'm trying to help people. You know, that, you know, I had a, you know, I had a steel fist, you know, and Pastor Rick used to say that you need a velvet glove. And I'm like, I have no idea what that means. Like, you're just, you're supposed to tell people the truth, right? We're supposed to be honest, right? And it's like, yeah, Tom, but you're also supposed to love people. And I'm like, it's pointless. What's the point of doing that? You know, it's like, just tell people the truth. If they don't want to accept the truth, that's on them. You know, and through the years, I had to learn that God did not necessarily always want to use me as a truth teller. He wanted me to be a man that was full of grace and mercy. And I had no idea how to do it. And that's why I had to lean on Jesus to develop that side of my life. Because it was easy for me to lean into truth. But it was not easy for me to be graceful. You know, and and I remember, you know, when I got so fed up with myself, you know, and I said, you know what, I got to figure this gray stuff out. You know, and I started praying about it and praying about it and praying about it and praying about it. You know, and I remember telling the group, you know, that, you know, I'm going to be graceful. And there was people in the room that were laughing because they're like, that's never going to happen. You know, and I remember like, no, this is what God wants to do in my life. You know, and I've had to work really hard at it, you know, but, you know, there's a lot of times that I bite my tongue because the truth that wants to come out of my face is not what needs to happen in that moment. It needs to be kindness. It needs to be joy. It needs to be, you know, grace. It needs to be mercy. It needs to be just shut up because your truth doesn't need to be spoken right now. You know, and I've learned, you know, with trusting the prompting of the Holy Spirit that, it's way easier to wait and tell truth later than to tell a truth and, and then you can't get it back. And how many times have we spoken truth but in anger and it was something that we regret saying? And once it's said, you can't reel that thing back in. So I have learned that in a moment of anger, in a moment of frustration, Truth is not what I need to be speaking. Grace is what I need to be giving. You know, and there's a balance in it. You know, if we give too much grace and we give too much, you know, mercy, then we get out of bounds and we become enabling people that need truth. You know, and each situation is completely different. Each person is completely different. Each circumstance is completely different. And that's why we need a relationship with the Lord because he guides us how to to handle each situation. Because there is no cookie cutter, you know, that this is not exactly how you're supposed to do it, you know, and, and 
you know, I've learned that it's easier to pray and to wait. You know, truth can always be told. You know, grace, you know, sometimes need to be given. You know, and, you know, a long time ago as I was praying about this, because, you know, as I'm working with people that are really dysfunctional and codependent and addictive and, and manipulative and, you know, and, you know, there's all these things that God has delivered me out of. And now I'm trying to help other people find freedom in it. And it's like, you know, where's the balance? You know, you're supposed to bear each other's burdens and you're supposed to, you know, give the coat off your back. And, you know, and God started to show me between needs and wants. You know, if somebody wants something, it's not my obligation to, to supply that want. If somebody needs something, that it is my opportunity to, to be, you know, a blessing. You know, and, you know, and that to me is the difference between grace and enablement. You know, and sometimes I have to tell people no. You know, and it's like, well, you're a Christian. And I'm like, yep. And God told me to be wise. You know, and it, it, there's a balance in it. You know, so I, I don't always run to everything that, you know, has a need. You know, and sometimes I'm supposed to to pay attention, sit back and pray. And, and that God prompt me into doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Because sometimes, you know, in those moments, truth needs to be told. You know, and, you know, enough is enough. You know, and a lot of times when we do, you know, give grace in that moment, it can change someone's heart. Or we give truth in that moment, it can change someone's heart. But if we do the opposite, they keep running in the wrong direction. You know, and it's important that we we try to find the balance. And the only way to do that is to have a relationship with the Lord because he's the ultimate truth and grace giver. You know, and, uh, you know, we can't do it on our own. You know, and so often, you know, as we work on our own junk, we get better at this. You know, because there's times that we wanted more mercy and more grace and what we needed was truth. Enough's enough. This can't continue. And there's other times that, you know, you know, we feel condemned and we feel criticized and what we need is a hug. And what we need is, you know, compassion and what we need is comfort. You know, and, and there's, it's this crazy balance, you know, and the only way to really know what's what is to trust that, that God's going to guide us in how to speak into these situations. You know, and I believe in this letter, you know, this stuff's been going on long enough because Paul's been trying to deal with, or John's been trying to deal with it. You know, and it's like he's going down, you know, first John's a sermon about it. So it's probably been preached in one of the churches or many of the churches in that area. Next is a, a letter to a family, you know, and now this is a specific letter to a person, you know, so this is like a, a continuing thing that's going on, you know, and one, it's like get rid of the false teacher. So you see the truth in it, and then this is give hospitality. So here's the grace in it, you know. So, you know, John's addressing both of them, you know, and both of them can be done in love, that we can give truth in love and that we can be graceful in giving love, you know, and it's important that we don't get out of out of balance, you know. And it's it's always difficult because we're we're dealing with people, and our own emotions and our own feelings and our own history, you know, gets interwoven to what our decision making is, you know. And that's why it's so important that we're giving our past over to Jesus. We're surrendering it. We're bringing it to Him. That. You know, that our buttons that get pushed on a regular basis are, are getting removed, you know, or healed so that when we go through situations, it doesn't prompt us to respond in the ways that we've always responded. You know, 
that we're healing and we're growing and we're changing and you know and, and that we're allowing Christ to to really use us in new ways you know but you know the the deception or the false idea is that we just keep running in the way that we've always been running you know and some of us are really good at telling truth and we're horrible at giving grace and some of us are really graceful and we get taken advantage of a lot you know givers and takers right but there's a balance in it, you know, and as we learn to have balance, as we learn to, to pray and ask God to strengthen the other side of that that we're not real good at, you know, he'll give us opportunities, you know, especially for those of you that are married. Lots of opportunities to work on this stuff. Praise God. You know, and but guess what? We live in, in, you know, a city. We live in a community. We go to work. We have, you know, family. We get many of opportunities to be working on this stuff. You know, there's no way to avoid it. You know, we could be a hermit in the woods and we'd still come across somebody and, and, you know, we'd have to operate in the other side of what we're doing. You know, that there's no escaping it, you know, in some levels that, you know, it's important that we are, you know, practicing you know, and allowing Jesus to stretch us and heal us and to change us more into his image. You know, and it's important that we recognize how, you know, the the naysayers that are trying to discourage us from growing or false teachers that are trying to, to, to get in there and to pollute our minds. You know, so John's trying to address these things, you know, that it's important that we are confronting the you know, the, the false teachers or the prideful or those that are trying to, you know, corrupt, you know, the church. But it's also important that we're giving hospitality and loving on those that are trying to do the Lord's work. You know, you know, and, and through this, you know, that we constantly live by the word of God. You know, and this is where we find the balance. The more that we are in the word, the more that we get to know the word, the more that we allow the word to change us, the more that we allow the word to, to confront us and convict us, the more that we pray the word over ourselves and the areas that we see that we fall short and we don't just lean to the things that we're good at, you know, that we start to be more balanced. You know, and when I first got saved and, and sober, I'm very black and white thinker. You know, it's all or nothing, all or nothing. Every situation, it's all or nothing. There is no middle ground. It's all or nothing. You know, and I thought that way for years. You know, and Pastor Rick and obviously the Holy Spirit kept challenging me, you know, and realizing that there is a whole lot of gray area. You know, and you need gray area for balance. You can't be black and white because you're full steam ahead one way or the other and the, and the scale always tips over. You know, and to be well-rounded and to be healthy, that there's certain things that have to fall into gray area. And it's very uncomfortable for our black and white thinking patterns. You know, and, you know, and we will fight it. (laughs) We will fight gray on a regular basis because we don't think that way. You know, and we have logical explanations and logical arguments of why that's not a good idea. You know, and some of us are really good at defending our position, you know, and usually that's the truth tellers, you know, and those that constantly get bowled over are the grace givers. You know, and somewhere in the middle is where we're supposed to be hanging out. You know, and it's difficult because us truth tellers want to just bowl everybody over with truth. You know, and we've, you know, 
We have precise arguments. And the grace givers give up and they finally give in and we get our way and we're winning and, you know, and we feel justified. And the grace givers are like, is this ever going to end? But I love you and I'm willing to live with you forever and ever and amen. You know, but for healthy to, to really to emerge in some of our lives that we really need to practice and pray and develop the other side of that equation. And the way to do that, you know, us blacks need to turn into whites and us whites need to turn into blacks. And in the midst of it, gray starts to emerge and communication can happen without arguments, you know, and there can be discussions and not fights, you know, and, Grace begins to win over in both situations, and truth begins to win over in both situations. You know, and we allow Jesus to sanctify us. You know, that we, you know, lean towards the things that we're good at. You know, you know, and John's trying to to work on, you know, Gaius. Most likely, you know, he needs this type of encouragement to step out in this way because he's he's fighting someone that's trying to tell him not to do what John's telling him to do, and, and if he does what John's telling him to do, the Diotrephes is going to kick him out of the church. And John's saying, no, you need to be the example. You know, So he's supposed to be telling truth to one and giving grace to the other. And how often are we able to do that? Typically, we're really good at doing one or the other. You know, and in this situation, you know, John is expecting Gaius to be telling truth in one direction and giving grace in the other. You know, and how often are we supposed to be doing that? Probably more often than we, we care to admit. You know, because we, we lean towards what we, you know, are wired to do. You know, and as we want to grow with Jesus and as we, we have Him come in to the deeper parts of who we are, He starts to expose, you know, why we're wired the way we're wired. You know, and, and we start turning that stuff over to Him. And we start allowing him into those places and it gets really uncomfortable and we don't like the way we feel and is this ever going to end and I don't like this and I don't like that. And we pop out the other side a little bit more like Jesus. You know, and we like, oh, now I get it. You know, and we fight Jesus a lot, don't we? Because what he's asking of us is uncomfortable. But if I'm comfortable in it, who's in charge, him or me? Typically me. You know, and it's the uncomfortable area where I have nothing left to grab a hold of but him, and that he begins to grow in me, and that I begin to become more like Christ in the process, that my character is strengthened, that I learn to persevere, and I learn to, to become who he's asking me to be. You know, that it's important. It's important that we are working on these things. You know, it's imp- important that we're addressing, you know, we're having communication, we're having discussions, we're talking to the people that we're supposed to be talking to, and it's important that we're loving and giving grace when we're supposed to be loving and giving grace. You know, and it's important that we're not making excuses for either side of that equation. You know, and we all have to work on this stuff. You know, I constantly have to work on being graceful, and a lot of times the best grace that I can give is just keep my mouth shut. You know, if I don't say what I'm thinking, grace just emerges. You know, and that's one of the biggest tactics that I've learned to, to be graceful is not just let truth reign. You know, and in recovery, you know, 
I learned brutal truth, you know, and truth isn't brutal. You know, you know, truth is loving and kind and gentle, you know, and patient, you know, because that's Jesus. Jesus is truth, you know, and that love is truth. Love is grace, you know, and it's important that we are developing the other side of this equation, you know, and it's uncomfortable for us. And especially when somebody starts working on it, and then that means we need to work on it, and we don't like it because we want to drift back into our lane rather than, you know, step into the gray area and find, you know, balance, you know, and it's important. It's important to, to grow us up as, as men and women of God, and it's important for Christ-like character to, to come out of us in situations where our emotions would normally lead us in the wrong direction, you know, that we would say or do things that we regret, you know, that as we practice the other side of whatever you know, it is that we need to be working on. It's funny how we find balance in areas where our emotions used to drive us the wrong direction so many times. You know, so would you just bow your heads in me as I pray? Lord, I just thank you so much. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your grace. I thank you how you are moving in each and every one of our lives. Lord, I pray that that we would recognize our strengths and I would ask that you would help us to see our weaknesses and that you would Come in in the midst of this and help us to find, you know, balance. Help us to work and pray and, and find ways to, to start working the other side of this equation and, and to grow in, in areas that we have been weak in and, and fall short in. You know, help the truth tellers develop, you know, a mentality of grace and help those that are grace and, and mercy filled, Lord, to have the ability to set boundaries and speak truth. Lord, and I pray that through it all, that we would find balance and that we would find, you know, healthy living and healthy minds, you know, and that we would have the mind of Christ, that we would know exactly which situation to give grace or to give, you know, truth and, and to be able to do that with love in each way, Lord, that we wouldn't get out of balance. So, Lord, I pray that you would reveal it to us. If we're not quite sure, Lord, that you would help us to see it, that you would give us confirmation in the areas that we need to grow. but I believe most of us are really pretty aware of the areas that we are strengths lie in and where we fall short. So, Lord, help us to not make excuses of these things and to begin to work on these areas. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.